It's time for Business Minds Coffee Chat, an inspiring show about the journey to personal and professional growth. And now, your host, Jay Shear. Hey everyone, you're listening to Business Minds Coffee Chat, and I am your host, Jay Shear. And I am just super excited today because I am welcoming an amazing guest who is a best-selling author. He's an executive coach for CEOs and other seasoned executives and fast-rising leaders. He's a speaker, and he is the host of the Rising Leader podcast, which, by the way, if you have not listened to that podcast, you absolutely want to check that out on your favorite podcast player. Go ahead and subscribe to that and make sure you're listening every week. He uh, he has some incredible guests. So my guest helps his clients master overwhelm and leverage their resources and team for greater impact. Please welcome Mark J. Silverman. Mark, thank you so much for being here today. Hey, Jay, I'm happy to talk to you whether there's a microphone or not anytime. (laughs) Well, I appreciate that. It seems like these days I have a microphone in front of my face more often than not. But, man, I am glad that we're creating the the space to have this conversation today. So I I thought I would kick it off with with this question. I want to dive deep and I want to dive right into it. So, you know, Mark, there are, are moments that can often change the course of our lives. Most of us experience those moments. We may not necessarily be able to point to a specific one in general, but you have such an interesting story. What is one of those moments that you've experienced? That that changed the trajectory of my life. Yes. Uh, I would have to, I would have to say the, the the moment was getting so I'll, I will go with going getting sober. So um, if your audience doesn't know, when I was 27 years old, I was homeless and living in my truck, and I was about 135 pounds. Uh, I'm not a tall guy, but 135 pounds is is pretty light. And I uh, came to Washington D.C. to borrow some money from my brother, and him. Uh, insisting that I come directly to him to borrow the money and not wiring me the money and, and bringing me to AA meetings and NA meetings was the, the start of me actually living a life. Uh, before that, I think I was, I was scraping by on the bottom of the barrel, maybe, you know, existing. Uh, but after that was when all of a sudden I started to learn life skills. I started to learn to you know, be a, a productive member of society, so I, I, I would say getting sober is the uh, is that pivotal moment. So, so as you you think back at at that moment and the conversations you were having with your brother and the fact that that your your brother one of the things that that you know he asked of you was to attend AA meetings and what did you what were you learning about yourself through this process? Yeah, I'll, t- I'll tell you, the, the, my very, very first NA, uh, AA meeting, I was in a smoke-filled room back when they let you smoke in there, and this, and they, they handed you a coin that said, to thine own self be true. And I looked at my one-day coin that said, to thine own self be true, and I was like, uh, oh, that's right, this is radio, no swearing. <laughs> uh, I was like, I, I, I don't understand this. Uh, it was like a different language. I didn't understand what a self was. To my own self be true just had no place to land in me 
because I didn't know what to be true to. Uh, and it was years of, of being sober, of working and reading, you know, spiritual books and self-help books and working the steps that I found what a self was to be true to. Uh, so that, I think that was, that was, that was one of the things that I learned that was kind of awe-inspiring to me. Mm, interesting. So if, if John Lennon and Paul McCartney had written a song about your life, what would the title have been? Yeah. <laughs> what came to mind was Car Crash and Resurrection. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got to go with the first title. Absolutely. So explain that. Why, why did that come to mind for you? Because, because you know, again, up until I was 27 years old, there was just no life. There was There was no mark. There was no... There was, you know, there was a guy walking around, waiting on tables, doing this kind of thing, but there really was no traction for anything generative, anything creative. Uh, it was all just trying to survive day to day. And after that, after the car crash, uh, was when I started to build. When I started to to make, you know, make an impact in the world, build relationships, build myself, make. Uh, uh, you know, actually hold jobs and, and, and create value for people. Uh, and I think that that's, that resurrection, again, one of the things, so, you know, we may talk further about this, but the other car crash I had was my midlife crisis, stone cold sober, when I destroyed my, my marriage was destroyed, my career was destroyed, and I, I had not taken a drink. That was another car crash and resurrection. And I remember Pema, Pema Trojan, uh, in one of her books, she's a Buddhist nun who, who, writes books on meditation and uh, Buddhist principles. She says, you know, when tragedy happens, you can close and harden or you can open and soften. Mm. And I made the decision when I crashed and burned both times uh, that whatever it is I went through, the only, the only way that it was worthwhile is that I provide value from my experiences. So when I had the midlife crisis and crashed and burned again in 2008, 2009, uh, I dedicated my life to opening, softening, being vulnerable, being honest about uh, what my life had been. So like some of the subjects you and I talk about, people are like, you actually talk about those things out loud. And I said, yes, I talk about all those things because I want every single person that I come in contact with to know that they are worthwhile, that they are loved, that that they don't, they can't have a past or a secret that would make them not worthwhile to me. So I I made that decision out of every tragedy that's happened in my life that it is going to be for the good of anybody that I meet. Mm, that is that is just beautiful in in so and many. It's not, by the way, that's not altruistic. I, so I don't want to I don't want to seem like I'm mother. This, I don't do it because it's altruistic. I do it because that's my own survival. The only way that I can justify the things that have happened, the things that I did, the thing, the transgressions that I did, the only way I can justify any of that is by making, turning them into value. That makes me have joy in life. So I do, I, I, I serve for a very selfish reason. It brings me joy. <laughs> I, I, I completely understand. So, so what led to the second crash and burn? You know, you had learned 
many valuable lessons the first time around if you were to look back and just summarize what was it that that really led to that second one it's, uh, so my first podcast was called Mastering Midlife, How to Thrive When the World Has the Most of You. And the premise of that was the drives and motivations that get you to success in your 20s and 30s will wane or even turn on you in your 40s and 50s. So if you grew up poor and you decided you had to be rich, or if you were controlled as a kid and you decided you have to be free, those, those reactions to those things often get us to be successful uh, but they're not sustainable. They're cotton candy. They're not actual food. So for me, I was trying to shed the homeless guy. I wanted to prove to everybody that I was not the homeless, drunk, degenerate my whole entire time. So I worked so hard in every area of my life uh, to to be perfect in every way. I was a perfect husband, a perfect father, a perfect son, perfect worker, a perfect dad, and I just tried to be all things to all people all the time to make up for that, which wasn't sustainable, right? It blew up without, without taking a drink, without taking a drug, without anything. It blew up in my face because I was, my engines were on rev 24 mm. seven. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't sleep. I, you know, I, I just, I, I had, not only did I have to be good at work, I had to be of service and I had to be this and I, had, I just had to be better than everybody else to make up for what I knew was inside. And when that, you know, that's not fuel, right? That gets, that gets used to a certain point. And it got me, it made me a millionaire, right? It got me rich, but then it turned on me and it all just came crashing down. And, you know, for me, it was basically God or life or whatever you want to call it saying that, no, we need to build back a person from a different place, not from pathology, not from uh, trying to fix the past, but from something more internal. So as you think back, are, are you where you thought you would be at this time in life? Are you further ahead than you thought you would be if, if you were just to try to try to assess where Mark J. Silverman is today in relation to what you what your expectations were. Where are you? Every, uh, every day is uh, is the cream in the coffee because I did not think I'd be alive. Uh, every day I am shocked, surprised, delighted, uh, in awe of the fact that I have two beautiful sons, a marriage, beautiful marriage. Uh, you know the. Um, a, uh, you know, that I, that I make a difference in the world, that I'm, that I'm actually regarded highly in the world. Uh, uh, and that when, yeah, that people tell me that talking to me makes a difference in their lives, in their marriages, in their families, uh, and in their businesses. To me, every single bit of it is gravy. I did not expect not, not only to not be alive, but to have such an incredible experience of life. So yeah, the whole th- the whole thing is overachieved uh, in uh, in order of magnitude. Well, that that is so good, and I and I know how grateful you are in many ways. You know, it's interesting, and I think this is important for those that are listening right now. You had mentioned that you were trying to be perfect, right? So you were holding yourself up to a standard that just really wasn't. 
achievable. I mean, there were lots of things, obviously, that you were doing, that you were trying to do. But, you know, perfection is one of those things that, you know, we, we often chase. But what is perfection, right? How do you how do you define it? Is it something that can even be achieved? And to me, you know, it, it just based on what, what I've learned and based on my own experience, it's really about the, the process of growth. It's about the process of learning. It's about making progress. You know, when we start chasing perfection, we're chasing something that is really not achievable. We're just constantly on a chase for something. What, what are your thoughts on that? It's absolutely. I remember. I do. I remember someone once coming up to me on the street who who knew me, uh, and she goes, "She says your t-shirts and your sneakers are so white. How do you get them so white?" Well, besides the fact that my mother did teach me how to do laundry really well, that's one. That's one thing. That's one skill I am better at than anybody I know is laundry. But uh, it was again that perfection. Um, it, it's. I, it's not it's not sustainable. It's not achievable. And anybody who I needed who is perfect, I know is covering up the mess inside. I remember when I decided I decided once to stop recycling. I just stopped recycling. I said I'm no longer going to recycle. I am such a good boy. I am so I follow so many rules. I try to be so good. I am not recycling. <laughs> For a few weeks, I just refused to recycle because that was my rebellion. Uh, and I felt I felt like lightning was going to strike. Like, like you, of course you have to recycle. And I didn't die. Uh, and it was slow, slow, slow. Like it was, it was funny because my ex-wife used to say I could never admit being wrong. Uh, and it wasn't that I couldn't admit being wrong. It was I couldn't admit being bad. Mm. Right? So if I if I said something hurtful, I would have to be defensive about it because I could not allow myself that. Um, humanity to maybe be rude sometimes and, and apologize for it or something like that. Uh, I could not allow for my humanity. Mm. And that has been, that has been a long journey of, I don't have to be in service. I don't have to be kind. I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to vote correctly. I don't have to recycle uh, to be worthwhile. Wow. Uh, and that I can, and that I can share these things with people is really, uh, for me, again, it's not something old Mark would have even attempted to do. Yeah, yeah that's that. Well, I can definitely relate to, to what you're saying. So, Mark, we are going to take a quick break to thank our amazing sponsors. Everyone, you are listening to Business Minds Coffee Chat. Don't you go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is Jay Shear. Are you a business owner or entrepreneur trying to figure out how to improve and achieve greater results? If so, I'm speaking to you. I provide the tools, coaching, and accountability you need to gain clarity around your personal and professional goals, remove the excuses holding you back, build the mindset, leadership skills, and proven strategies to grow your business and become the best version of yourself. To learn more or to apply for my coaching services, call 904-236-0431 or visit jshearbusinessconsulting.com. 
There's no business like show business like no business I know. Visit the Fitzgerald Performing Arts Center at Flagler Auditorium. We're about to release our new season of professional touring shows. Visit our website at flaglerentertainment.com. Sign up for our newsletter. You can be the first to know about our shows and special offers. And remember, every time you buy a ticket to a show, you support the performing arts in Flagler schools and you support our local economy. All right, we're back. And again, you're listening to Business Minds Coffee Chat, and I am having a fantastic conversation today with my very special guest, Mark J. Silverman. Uh, We've been talking about Mark's early life, some of the challenges that he's faced, how he's been able to overcome some of these challenges and adversities, where he is today, and he truly is a remarkable a remarkable coach, a remarkable human being, and he absolutely changes and impacts people's lives. And I know you're hearing that in his voice, hearing that through his story today. So we're going to go ahead and continue that conversation right now. So, Mark, I'm, I'm curious, you know, in your, your work as an executive coach and all the experience that you've had up to this point, what would you say makes – an outstanding coach? What are the attributes that you think lead to someone being able to help another individual, help being able to transform another individual and help them pull the best out of themselves? Uh, Or out of others, sure. I love that. I love this question. Uh, I get very controversial when I talk about the coaching industry. Uh, so stop me if I if I go off the deep end. Okay. First of all, I think that a co- that a good coach, and and let let's say not a business coach, right? So a business coach has that expertise, has to know how the pipes work, no has no problem. They just have to know technical stuff as well as be able to coach the person. Uh, so when I talk about executive coaching, when I talk about transformational coaching, uh, when I'm when we're when we're coaching the people. The first thing is that the coach has done their work uh, and is doing their work. I'm not saying you have to be perfect before you can coach, but you really can't take someone as you know further than you've gone yourself. You can't take anyone deeper than you've gone yourself. So if you're afraid to really go deep and look inside, it's hard to get other people to do that. Doing your own work is the first is the first piece. The second, in, and I think people forget this, is that when you're coaching someone, when you're influencing another person, you have to remember that you are holding their precious heart in your hands. Uh, if you're going to be confrontational, I'm a very confrontational coach. I say some really harsh things, but never, ever, ever without remembering that I'm holding someone's heart and soul in my hand when I'm doing that. Mm. They've put me in a position where I can influence the way they, you know, their perception and the way they think about things. Uh, and if I'm going to be forceful in either a question uh, uh, or a challenge, it has to be with, with that in mind. So those are, the, those are the two things that I think are really important in order to be a good coach. And the third is a real keen intuition to be able to say the thing that needs to be said. So many times, uh, you know, something will come to mind to say, to ask, to uncover, and my conscious mind would be like, that's rude. You can't say that. You shouldn't ask that. Don't go there. You're going to earn a, open up a can <laughs> of worms. 
And I have to have the courage and also the expertise to know that I can hold whatever's on the other side once I pull that thread. Does that make sense? It I remember makes... I remember working for a, a vice president before I was a coach uh, back, uh, way, way back when. And uh, he said something about how, how much I work on myself. And he was a VP of a multinational company, and he was my mentor. And he said, I would never do, do that work on myself. He said, because if I pull this thread, the whole thing's going to fall apart. Wow. Right, and he's a world famous VP. Like every, like people knew him. Uh, presidents knew him. You know, royalty knew him. And he said, if I pulled the thread the way you pull the thread, I would fall apart. I have to be able to know that if I pull that thread on someone, that I I can hold them in whatever happens. Now we don't do deep trauma work, uh, where you know you absolutely you know actually need a group of people and you need a facility and you need a container and all that stuff. But you know if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna kind of uncover people's um, inner being, you know, you got to be there for them. Well, I, you know, I, I, I love that you said about holding their precious heart in your hands, right? It's, it's an awesome responsibility. It truly is. And, you know, for those that are listening right now, it, you know, if you've already worked with a, a great coach, you, you probably already understand this. If you are a coach, you're listening right now to an outstanding coach who is sharing some serious wisdom here. And it's important to to learn, right, to always, you know, you're focused on the other person, but you've got to be able to tell it like it is. You've got to be able to use your intuition. You've got to be be aware of the fact that that you are holding that person's heart in your hands. So I, I appreciate you sharing that with us. What what is something, Mark? That yeah, because you're you're so you know you're very transparent, and and I know this is not the way that Mark was many years ago, but this is the way Mark is today. What what is something that would surprise us to learn about you? Surprise um, that I will because I have my favorite. Way to waste time is to watch uh, talent show clips from America's Got Talent or The Voice or American Idol. I, I just eat that stuff up like crazy. I I love seeing people uh, get on stage with everything they've they've trained for or or wanted or desired and just laying it all out on the on the stage for someone to judge like that. Mm. I, like for me, I, I just root for those types of people. And then I love watching people grow or shrink as the stage gets bigger during these competitions. Like I love to see how people respond to the pressure. Uh, it's, you know, the, the man in the arena quote is such a, such a true thing. And it doesn't even have to be on a talent show. Like it, it could be at work just speaking up in a meeting, right? Uh, I love seeing people uh, find their edge. Mm, I love that. Mark, what does what does success mean to you today? Huh, way different than it ever meant to me before. Success uh to me is to be is to be content in my soul. Uh I I just I know people who have uh more than a billion dollars who are more miserable than homeless people. I know, you know, I, I, I just, I just don't think anything is worth it if you're not comfortable or okay in your own skin. Uh, so for me, that's, that's success. Uh, and if we want to go on the outside, uh, success is, 
if you have reached or are reaching goals that you're achieving and your families are intact, your spirit is intact, your health is intact, your you know, relationship with your children is intact and thriving. You know, if you if any of those things are sacrificed at the altar of success, I believe the success is empty. Uh, yeah, well, you've definitely seen that yourself. I've seen that as well. So, Mark, there are clearly some some very difficult challenges happening around the world right now. There are a lot of people that are in pain. There's a lot of people who are dealing with some very, very difficult things right now, things that we see in the news, things that we're experiencing. What are some things that you're doing with your coaching clients to help them navigate things that are that are happening in the world when they're dealing with with such immense levels of of pain and angst that we see around the world i have to acknowledge the past few weeks has been um the hardest of my entire life as far as world events and the world coming into my own being um i i have had to do my own work on this Uh, and still have trouble having conversations because it's so painful and I feel my family is so vulnerable. Uh, But what I've been telling everybody is you can only control what you can control. You can only influence what you can influence, right? So, So your responsibility is to put the oxygen mask on yourself. You can be of no good to anybody if you throw yourself into the waters with everybody else. So whatever it is you can do to be your best self. So for me, again, what, what, you know, how can I help the things that are going on in the world? The first thing is to prayer and meditation, right? To go inside to, to be my healthy self, but then also to ask, what can I do? So I'm going to go volunteer, uh, on election day to work the polls, right? So I, I the, the things that come up for me to do and then, then to go do those things because you need action, prayer, meditation, and all of that is great. Uh, taking care of our bodies, taking, making sure we're in our best selves, but then taking the actions that that intuition and that guidance says to go take. So I don't know what that would be for any person, but, uh, you know, if, if you feel called to go do something, to go help something, to donate to something, do that. But put the oxygen mask on yourself and turn off the news. I used to think that worrying and watching the news meant I cared. Uh, I now know that that I can care without, um, driving myself into the ground that way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this think, is, this is a hard, this is a hard time for a lot of people. It, it definitely is. And I, and I appreciate you sharing that with us. I think it's important to have the difficult conversations. It's important to share what's going on in your, in your world, to share what's on your heart and to share that with, with the right people, right. Who can support you, who can, who are, care, right. Who can, Share what you just shared as an example, right? We have to focus on the things that we can actually control. And I know that's difficult sometimes because, you know, we want to, to be able to do more, but we have to be able to do the things that we can do. Look for those things, focus on that and realize that we can't solve every problem under the sun. So, Mark, as we are wrapping up our conversation today, I would love it if you would give all of us a challenge. What is something that you would challenge our audience and me to do? Uh, Turn off. Uh, I think it's the hardest thing for anybody to do. Take five minutes. If uh, If you can meditate, 
meditate. If you can't meditate, sit with your cup of coffee and with your, or your cup of tea with no phone, stare out the window and breathe. Uh, just stop and be with yourself. Figure out what's going on in your body, in your psyche, and just learn to be with yourself. Most of us can't do that. Five minutes staring out the window with a cup of coffee is all you need. That's my challenge is learn how to be with yourself. I love it. That's a great challenge. So, Mark, my my final question to you is this. If you had the opportunity to ask one question of anyone, if they're alive or no longer living, who would it be that you would ask the question to and what question would you ask? It can only be one question, one person. Who would it be, and what would the question be? Okay, the question I have, the question I have is very much. I, I don't have a, a lot of that in my in my in my psyche. Uh, uh, I would ask the question of the Rebbe who is uh, was, who died in the 1990s, uh, Menachem Sherman. Uh, uh, um, I want I would want his guidance on what is happening in the world today because I can't, I can't find the good. Uh, I can't find the thread to justice, to just and good. And I believe that he would be able to guide me on that. Um, so yeah, there you go. I, would ask. I appreciate that. Thank you for sharing. And Mark, I want to thank you so very much for joining us today on business minds, coffee chat. I just, I, I appreciate you as a person. I'm grateful for you. Every conversation we have, I feel like I always learn something different about you, and I appreciate that. I respect you as an individual, as a peer, and again, thank you so much for being here today. You won't give me the time, but I'm saying all of that back to you. well thank you for that and for all of you that are listening thank you so very much for tuning into business minds coffee chat we'll be back next saturday morning at 8 30 and until then keep learning and growing and keep doing the work to reach your potential take care everybody